Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening colour. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing you the shapers of the business world together with the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. My guest today in this November month is Ryan Palmer, co-founder of the London Sock Company. While working at an IT consultancy firm in London, Ryan and his colleague David Pickard both wanted eventually to do something where they were, as they said, in control of their destiny without any ceilings. Inspired by a wave of subscription models coming over from the US, they saw a subscription brand opportunity in the sleepy category of socks. As Ryan says, coming from that corporate environment, guys were just so uniform, all wearing the same colour suits, shirts and shoes. We saw a huge opportunity to add flair and personality to men's outfits with something as simple as stylish quality socks. They launched London Sock Company in 2013 with no prior fashion experience and now deliver their socks to customers in over 100 countries worldwide, as well as retailing through Mr. Porter, Harris and more. And if you look carefully at Daniel Craig's ankles, you may well spot them there too. Ryan Palmer is my business shaper here today. He's the founder of the London Sock Company, and I've got a box. If I was an MP, I'd have a problem, but I'm not an MP. I've got a box, a present here, in, a, in advance, actually, of a birthday. Obviously, Ryan, you knew that. Somehow you knew that tomorrow is my birthday, so congratulations for, for realising that. It's great to meet you. I feel like I know you, though we've never met, because I've worn your things, and when I meet people whose products I use and I've, and I've lived in, it's, um, it's a nice thing. So here you are. D- socks why socks why socks oh that's a good question it's funnily enough we get asked that quite often because it, it is a bit is a bit random we really just love the simplicity and the enormity of the opportunity you know here's a category that you know gets a, a very little thought you know people in the professional world are, are looking for opportunities to add a bit of color a bit of personality and individuality and you know everyone's wearing the same color shirts the same color trousers same color shoes and my background, you know, working in that kind of corporate world was, you know, just seeing a kind of sea of monochrome and socks are just an opportunity to to help add a bit of personality, a bit of colour, a bit of style and ultimately walk brighter. And, you know, we love the idea of kind of tapping into that that kind of morning routine when you pull your socks up is one of the first things that you do to to really kind of inspire your day. So it kind of, it feels a lot less random now, but it, it certainly was random when we were making the decision back in 2013 as well. I suppose, though, because you were Accenture, as I understand it, management consultancy business, you become quite agnostic about what the opportunity is. And in a way, you sort of start to get excited because there's a category opportunity and then you probably fall in love. Yeah, I I think for us, though, it was as much about really kind of understanding what purpose we wanted to achieve like with the business. It wasn't just a, a commercial kind of venture and and for us, kind of, we love the idea of inspiring optimism somehow. And it was really important for us that whatever route, whatever product we were going to go down, that actually there was a genuine kind of element of positiveness that was going to come from that. And uh, we actually tried to get away from socks a number of times. You know, it's not really the first choice that, that you would think of, but actually the more we kind of dug into it, the more opportunity that we saw to, to really create a brand that was all about style, that was all about aspiration that was all about inspiring people to walk brighter and you know that's kind of since become our tagline uh, and also create you know and an elevate gifting to to the socks that you actually want to receive at christmas the purpose thing you talk about did that come before the socks or did it come as a result of the socks which may sound a strange thing to say but often when i meet 
founders and then when founders pitch and try to raise money, the people they're raising money from are often interested in looking into the eyes of Ryan here and going, does he mean it? Is he really interested beyond the numbers? Yeah, 100%, like 100%. You know, when when we kind of started the business, actually it was really important to us that we were going to have some kind of social good and some social positivity through through the brand. And I think kind of coining the phrase inspiring optimism came later, but the sentiment of using the kind of category and using a moment at the start of everyone's day to, to try and affect positively you know, things like self-confidence and, and self-belief was, was very much, you know, the essence of what we wanted to create right from day one. Ryan Palmer's my business shaper today. He's the co-founder of London Sock Company. Dave is not in the room, but Dave is there always. You two, did you work together? Is that how you met? Yeah, we met it when we were working at Accenture together and, uh, you know, we just gravitated, I think, towards each other just from a, a shared love of business and entrepreneurship and you know, going to the pub and having a few drinks and, and we became really close friends very quickly. And uh, we didn't actually know that we were going to start like a business together when, when we met. It was, it was very much uh, me kind of helping him brainstorm through some ideas that he had and him brainstorming some ideas that I had. And we just realized that we were actually much better at developing ideas together than we were independently. And it just kind of happened. It wasn't a kind of, oh, do you want to be my business partner? And I was like, yeah, or, or vice versa. It just happened and we just kind of came up with an idea and and just went with it. And, you know, here we are, what, seven or so years later. When did it get real, though? When you said, you know, it just happened. And I know that feeling when you're you're sort of not playing at something, but you are just having a conversation and then the conversation gets a bit more pointy and then you actually start sketching an idea out and suddenly it's socks. And suddenly, hold on a minute, we've never made socks before. Where do we make them? Although there wasn't an epiphany by the sounds of it, was there a, okay, let's just do this moment? Yeah, I think it was it was more the case that we we just thought that there was a massive opportunity with the category. And it was probably a little bit early. I mean, Happy Socks, you know, for example, had kind of launched back in I think 2007 and they were really the only brand that was that was really kind of owning, you know, the category from a brand space certainly that people were aware of. And you know, they've done a brilliant job with their brand, but they're very much more focused on that kind of novelty style and you know the quality but for us it was it was really about quality and style it was about the socks that get you noticed for the right reason and wasn't about socks that were were going to make you the fun sock guy and that was the big difference for us and that's where we really wanted to kind of differentiate from from other brands in the market that were really owning that space but saying that as two you know products of the management consultancy world and then moving that theory to the practice do you recall when it was like okay we better actually start delivering on this because we've had the idea now. We're excited about the category. And if so, what was the very first thing that the two of you had to do where it becomes concrete? Well, I mean, we knew nothing about anything that we were doing. So we knew nothing about fashion. We knew nothing about product development. We knew nothing about e-commerce. We knew nothing about fulfillment. You know, we literally had no experience with kind of the category that we were about to go and try and launch a brand in. But I think what we did have was a kind of really strong understanding and ability of executing, of actually really understanding, well, what are the key points here that we need to really get right to make this successful? And then go and find people who were much more experienced in those areas and and try and get some advice from them about how they would approach the project if they were in our shoes. And and that was really, really impactful. And I think just surrounding ourselves with people who are much more experienced and, and probably much more intelligent than we were to really kind of help kick off our journey was was for us just the natural start. And then obviously you're kind of then looking for factories and you're looking for the material blends. And we got it wrong so many times, like just through that kind of sampling stage. And I wish that I had some of the early samples that we did because they're just, you know, they're just horrendous. 
Um, but I think like anything, it's as important to kind of realize what you don't want, you know, as, as to realize what you do want. And it just evolved. And I think we just instinctively knew what we were going for. And, you know, we knew that we wanted to elevate the category. We knew we wanted to create a really high quality product and aspirational brand. So that was always our, our North Star. And really stupidly, um, sliders and socks, yes or no? I think fashion is about being an individual and whatever people want to wear. He's going to give me a serious answer. I love it, It's a total serious answer because honestly, I get asked this question often and I think if you want to do it, do it. Like, who cares? You know, it's it's about being an individual and whatever makes you comfortable and whatever makes you happy is is a, a good answer for me. There you go. Stay with me for much more from my guest, Ryan Palmer. Be exactly who you want to be. He'll be back in a couple of minutes being exactly who he wants to be. Right now, we're going to hear a taster from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions, though, and they can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mishcon Dere, Susie Sendama, and Emily Dorotheo talk about how fashion brands can be more sustainable while maintaining profitability and what consumers should be doing to support sustainable fashion. The Mishcon Academy digital sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. The cynics amongst us will say that sustainable is sort of plastered on anything that attempts to be environmentally friendly and that's whether it just uses a bit of organic cotton or whether the brands have taken some steps to improve their carbon footprint, for example. Or like you say, they they will use vegan leather or pineapple leather. Um, I think truly sustainable clothes and truly sustainable fashion has to be ingrained from every decision that's made in the supply chain so right from the design of a product where you might be thinking about the circular economy so already thinking about how that product will be used at the end of its life right through to every step of, of how that product is made and looking to to have a more sustainable impact and now some brands are attempting to improve their sustainability profile and some have created a sustainable capsule collections. So, for example, on the high street, you might see some swimwear that's manufactured from recycled fishing nets, for example. Some luxury brands are also doing a capsule collection that's sustainable. You have some other luxury brands that have decided they're not going to be slaves anymore to the fashion calendar and make four or six collections a year. So I think there's definitely a lot that brands can do other than just saying that their stuff is sustainable. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can enjoy and be inspired by, I hope, all of our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And indeed, you can hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. Or if you've got a smart speaker, you can ask it to play Jazz Shapers and there you'll find a taster of our recent shows. But back to today's guest. It's Ryan Palmer, co-founder of London Sock Company. I've got a big box here, which, as I mentioned earlier, is the, is the present. The colours are brilliant. Are you a person that understands the importance of colour for your consumer or are you a person that loves colour? I think both, to be honest. I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm the most colourful person when it comes to anything else that I wear. Um, I mean, as you can see, I'm wearing like a, a navy shirt, you know, black jeans. You we're know, very kind of... similarly, I mean, obviously <laughs> we're, we're, we're men and men, are, you know, a certain type of man doesn't want to, let's say, make a major statement. But let me see the socks. Go, yeah, you're wearing black black trousers, yeah. blue shirt. Ah, but the lovely light blue socks. Yeah, there the, the are dusk blue. Um, but, it's, you know, it's an, it's an opportunity to add something. It's a bit of style. It's a bit of personalities. And, uh, yeah, it's a bit of colour. And I think, you know, we all, we all need a bit more colour in our lives sometimes and, I think socks are just an opportunity to to do that without necessarily kind of feeling like you're overpowering everything that you're wearing. With a fashion brand, do you run your business in that 
flary way and the colourful way, or is it a serious endeavour? I mean, how do you counterbalance the need to be interesting and fashionable and timeless as well, obviously, because we need to do all those things, alongside the, the seriousness of running a business of how many people work in, in your business now? I mean, we talked about being in 100 countries, but there's serious underpin of structure and of processes and, and P&Ls and factories and all that. How do you counterbalance the, the two? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good question. I think the structure of the company is really important and it, it's something that kind of took us a while to, I think, probably get right. And fundamentally for us, it was about creating a business where, you know, on one side, it was all about brand. It was all about, it's all about storytelling. It's all about kind of creating new product and campaigns and partnerships and, and all the kind of really exciting opportunities that our customers are going to be interested in. And then on the other side, you've got the more commercial trade needs and that's everything from supply chain and, you know, the website and, and performance marketing, et cetera. And the two parts of the business work totally interdependently together, but at a slightly different beat. And I think you're right that there needs to be an understanding of commercialism all the way through the organization. We, we need to be making decisions based on what commercially will work. But equally, there's a difference between, you know, what's going to be a commercial success versus a communicator product. And, mm. you know, I think the nice thing about, you know, when you're creating a fashion brand is that you don't need everything you sell to be your, your best selling product. And I think for us, it's about variety and it's about helping solve problems for our customers. And we spend a lot of time listening to our customers. I mean, the customer experience for us is, is you know, right at the top of, of everything that we do. And I think that's really when we kind of started the business and it was, it was about specializing, you know, and, and that, that whole kind of end-to-end experience that a customer has from the moment that they, they're, they're not sure about what they're looking for to receiving the product and, and the, the post-follow-up, you know, support. You know, we have a sock sure guarantee where if anyone has a problem with our socks, you know, within 12 months, we just refund, could return, replace. And our, our returns rate, you know, is less than 2%. You know, it's tiny. So I think it's an important consideration to balance commercialism and also kind of color and creativity. But I think it, it's just about creating the right frameworks and, and the right organizational structure to kind of work seamlessly together. And between the two of you, who falls more on the aesthetic versus the commercial? So Dave is very much in the commercial. Um, so he's the brains and, uh, and I focus more on the creative and storytelling element. So very much the brand. But you say, obviously, we'll come to that, but different intelligences provide different things and without the creativity, the commercialism is redundant, I would proffer. Talking about the structure, you, you touched on it. Just give me a little sense of the way you've organized things. And you said very humbly, you know, we've got people in that were cleverer than us, different skills and all that. What does it look like right now? Where are people based in this new world? So, I mean, we're, we're still based in London. We, we were working remotely for, you know, for the most part of the last 18 months. Um, we've had people back in the office actually last week, which has just been phenomenal. It's, it's a good reminder of the importance of actually being together and I think kind of the, the, the benefits of collaborating and, and decision making and, and just uh, getting things done maybe a little bit faster. And, you know, we're going into peak trade now, you know, I mean, Christmas is, is fast approaching and, you know, that's kind of being reflected through our, our sales already. And we just really wanted to kind of just pull everyone together and just make sure that everyone felt, you know, as, as kind of supported, but also as excited and prepared, you know, going into what's our, our busiest time of year. So I think there'll be a balance, you know, I think there'll be a balance of people working from home for um, a few days a week and from the office for a few days a week. But I think it really also depends on, on kind of specific roles and, and needs to collaborate or, or just needs to work in silence and, and kind of not be disturbed, which is, you know, the preference for, for several members as well. I read somewhere, and you talked about it, I think, when you've been interviewed before, about you being an open person and your mum 
mum's influence as a, as a kind of 24-7 therapist, not your own things, or you can lie down on the couch <laughs> over here if you like, but actually just in, it, through osmosis, you, you would get it. How important has it been, do you think, for your antennae to be really well, well tuned in to your people in these last 20 months based on just the, you know, the isolation, the loneliness, the, the general mental health questions that have arisen for all of us, regardless of how stoic we are or how resilient we are or just how we've sailed through this or not? What have you done as a business to ensure that those people you just talked about are in, are in good nick? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's tremendously important. I think at, at the end of the day, you know, at the heart of the company is the people you know, that are behind it. And, and we're really kind of conscious about making sure that we're kind of paying attention to, to people's mental strength and, and mental health. And, you know, we were very quick to, to start introducing, you know, kind of various remote team building activities and really trying to make sure that there was a lot of transparency and openness across members of the team. And yeah, it's been it's been difficult because I think people have different uh, experiences. You know, there's there's some individuals that, are, you know, are in different stages of their life where they've got more space at home, you know, versus there's some younger members of the team that are sharing with other people and everyone's working from home. So therefore, it, it becomes harder to to get that kind of quiet space that is a bit a bit on your own. And, and um, yeah, it's been difficult. But I think we've just tried to listen. We've just tried to kind of understand, you know, what, what challenges the team are experiencing and, and address it and be as open and supportive as we possibly can. Stay with me for my final chat with Ryan Palmer, co-founder of London Sock Company. And we've also got a great track from Cecile McClellan's cell fan that's all coming up in just a moment. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. Just for a few more minutes, Ryan Palmer's my business shaper, and we have been talking all about the London Sock Company, what it's about, and why you want the world to walk brighter. Your values are important, it seems to me, for the business. There's a lot of things I've read around your sustainability goals. I think you've announced your commitment to become a net zero producer by 2025. There's a share a pair initiative where you donate a pair of socks for each order placed to homeless charities, I think including Crisis and Footworks and the refugee organisation Choose Love. These are really, they go to the heart of, of what you're about. What's going to stop you doing those things? What's going to get in the way of you being able to deliver on the sense of being more than, I say, just a sock company or just any fashion business? What would get in the way of that happening? It's a good question. And I think as long as Dave and I feel so genuinely passionate about it, nothing. You know, I think we as founders of the business kind of set the direction and we set the kind of strategic, you know, objectives and ambitions. And what we hold really close to our own kind of purpose as individuals flows through to the the business strategies and, and what we're trying to achieve through this journey. So I'd probably say it would be us. Um, but uh, we are we're so aligned on kind of making sure that through this journey we're having a positive impact and and uh, we really are inspiring opportunities and optimism beyond just our customers that um, I, I I don't see that we're at risk of that. But yeah, I mean, I think it, it really comes down to, to the two of us. And in terms of your own long-term commercial expectations or commercial goals, is there a sense that one day in the future you're going to not be involved with this business? Yeah, I mean, it's always it's always a difficult one, right? I mean, who who knows what the future holds? But I think fundamentally, we're about creating a brand that can exist for over 10 million customers around the world. And we're at a really exciting inflection point as a business that it feels like we've kind of been on the cusp of for, for probably the last kind of 12 to 18 months or so. And I think the growth of online has has positively, you know, impacted us. But I also think that people thinking more about the brands that they want to purchase from and the values and 
and kind of the the ethics and and the commitments that the brands are making has has become more and more important. So, yeah, I mean, let, let's see what the future brings. But I I think that we've got a really exciting kind of next phase of growth, and we're just really excited for for this Christmas, let alone uh, anything else, and and see what happens. Thank you for the present again. I'm sure that this Christmas, and before this Christmas, this birthday, tomorrow, I will be enjoying your socks. It's been great to meet you, Ryan. Just before I let you disappear, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So I've chosen uh, Nina Simone, I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel To Be Free. And any particular reason? Yeah, so this uh, this song was a song that my grandfather used to play when I was sat on his sofa back in uh, my childhood days of spending the summers in, in Canada and, uh, you know, it was, just, it was just some nice kind of personal time that we had together and, and this was one of his favourites. Nina Simone there with I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel To Be Free, the song choice of my business shaper today, Ryan Palmer. He talked about making mistakes and making mistakes being the key to working out what you don't want to do as much as what you do want to do. He talks about mindful leadership and how this last 18 months has made them really focus on people's mental strength and mental health. And finally, he said the only barrier to realising their objectives in terms of delivering on purpose and on their values was them. I thought that was really honest and really clear. Great stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash jazz shapers.